Welcome to this week's podcast from Oceans Church in Orange County. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. For more information, please visit our website at theoceanschurch.com. We're going to the book of Mark, and I'm going to read a few verses to you out of Mark chapter 4. After I read those verses, I want to, I want to let you know that everything I'm going to talk about, teach on today, is connected to those verses. Uh, I believe that not only is there logos, logos words, depending on how you pronounce that, there's written words from God, but there's also rhema words from God. A rhema word is when you take something that's been written down, but for some reason there's like a little bit of extra life on that word. And I believe that today I'm not just going to give you some dry text with no, with no sauce on it. Who likes sauce? I don't know about you. I love any kind of food that involves dipping. If it's salsa, if it's chips, if it's celery, if it's ranch, are you following me? If, if, I, can, if I can toss that thing in some sauce, I'm going to enjoy eating it. And I want you to know the Bible is very similar in the sense that God's word, you can eat it dry, you can read it dry, or you can put some sauce on it. There's, there's a way of just allowing the spirit of God to say, God, would you quicken this thing? Would you make this verse come to life? So my prayer is that when you watch this today, it's not just the... Uh, a message that's geared for your head, but I do believe that the Holy Spirit has the ability to get a hold of your heart with this special sauce we call his anointing. And so right now, we're gonna go to Mark chapter four, read a few verses. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray. After I pray, I'm gonna tell a couple stories, and I'm gonna tie back into what we read today. But I do believe that God has a word for everyone that's watching. We've been in a series, this is our fourth week of, of the rise. And I don't know why I couldn't get this out of my, my head that we are in a window of time in history that God is looking for people that would actually believe in him, be filled with him, and actually begin to rise. Almost like sourdough bread in the oven. Come on, Lisa. That God would cause you to begin to rise. It's amazing that some things only become as large as they could become because of heat. And I believe that we are in a hot window of time and some people are getting burnt out and other people are suffering because of the heat. I believe that we as believers should be like bread in the oven. Like, come on, like brownies in the oven. That we take on our greatest form when we're going under the, the weight and the circumstances and the light and the heat of what's going on in the world today. We are not those that sink back, shrink back. We are those, come on, that are going to begin to rise. And so we're in the series called The Rise, and today, I'm preaching before I'm preaching. I'm sorry, I'm getting excited. But I want you to know today that I, I, I really feel like God gave me this very vivid title, very vivid picture as I was praying for you this week. And I want to talk to you for the next 20 or so minutes on the idea of the rise of wind. The rise of wind. I will explain uh, what, what that means. It sounds a little bit obscure, like the rest of my titles have been lately. But uh, the rise of the wind. And uh, we're going to go to Mark chapter 4. We're going to read about a storm, uh, incidentally. Probably a lot of preachers have used this passage, I'd imagine, the last several weeks uh, with what's going on in the world today. But I want you to know that uh, I do believe that even though it's a familiar passage to, to many of you, you've been in the church for any duration of time, you've probably heard someone teach on this passage. So please do me a favor, and if we can't open this up and look at it with a fresh set of eyes. My favorite things to do is look at an old verse with new eyes. And so right now, Mark chapter 4, let's ask God to just come on, speak to us today as we read this. I'm going to read it. I'm going to pray. It says in verse 35 of chapter 4 of the greatest name book in the Bible, the book of Mark. On the same day, on the same day when evening had come, 
he said to them, to his disciples, to those following him, he said, let us cross over to the other side. You can say it with me in your living room. Say the other side. Let's go to the other side. Now, when he had left the multitudes, they took him along in the boat as he was. And other little boats were along also with him. And a great windstorm, say windstorm, a great windstorm arose and the waves, watch this, began to beat into and onto the boat so that it was already beginning to fill up. The actual Greek language, it it says the boat was full. It was full. It taken on and it filled up with water. But he, Jesus, was, was in the stern of the boat asleep on a pillow. A pillow, a pillow. Do you say creek, crick? I don't know. Wash, wash. There's no R in there. Come on. Listen, he's on a pillow and he's sleeping. And they awoke, they, they woke him up. Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Do you not care? Probably the number one frustration probably has birthed more atheists in the world than any other phrase. God, you don't care. If you were real, you would care. And I want you to know that God, he does care. I'm going to show you that here in a moment. Do you not care that we're perishing? These aren't uh, hypersensitive teenage girls, a little bit emotional, exaggerating, using some hyperbole that, man, we're going we're gonna to die. These are trained, skilled fishermen that have spent their lives navigating uh, tenacious waves and winds. These guys know what a fatal storm looks like. Do you not care that we're dying? And he, he actually, he, he gets up. He woke up, rubbed the, rubbed the sleepy dust, as my Chloe would call it. She calls it pixie dust. Every morning, Chloe says, Daddy, would you wipe the pixie dust out of my eyes? Sorry, another message. He, he woke up, and he rebuked the wind, and he said to the sea, Peace, be still. He didn't say it like that, though, because the actual language basically means he yelled, Shut up. That's a, that'd be more accurate translation. Hey, be quiet. Be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. I don't know about you, but I'm excited about the great calm that's coming after this storm. There was a great calm that's on the way. He said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? They feared exceedingly, and they said to one another, who in the world can this man be that even the wind, even the seas obey his voice? I want to talk to you this morning about the rise of wind, the rise of wind. God, I just thank you that, Lord, you're a good God. I pray that you would show everyone watching today that you would reveal yourself how good you are. I pray that you would give hope to those that need it, give help to those that need it. I pray those that, Lord, need a touch from you, need some encouragement from God. I ask you that today, that over the next few moments, that, God, your presence would fill every, every room that's watching this right now. Touch those that are far from you. God, get a hold of those that have never known you. Show them how awesome you are today. We love you very much. We thank you that, God, it's going to be a good year. In spite of how it started, we believe this this year is going to finish strong. We pray right now that you would bring calm, and I just pray you'd bless those watching. We thank you for the, the Los Angeles Lakers, and that, God, we thank you that championship is in the near future. In Jesus' name, God, we ask and, God, we pray. And all the believers said, amen.
Amen, amen, amen. Well, hey, I, uh, I'm excited. Uh, I was thinking this week, uh, I really do love my in-laws. I was thinking about how I, I really, I'm so favored, so blessed. Some people call it lucky. I don't believe in luck. I believe in favor. And God favored me. The Bible says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. And I was thinking about how I, I received so much favor because uh, uh, almost 15 years, this year it'll be 15 years, I married this beautiful woman, love of my life, Rochelle. And uh, I'm telling you that not only did I get this amazing woman in my life, but I, I married into this incredible family. I love my in-laws, and which is, I know, a little bit of an oxymoron for most of the movies you watch on TV. It should be outlaws, but I love my in-laws, my in-loves. And I love actually every single thing about my father-in-law and my mother-in-law. I think the only thing I do not love about my in-laws is the temperature of their home. I don't like being hot at night. Uh, I grew up poor. Like, we were so poor, our welcome mat just said, well. And uh, we, we, didn't, we didn't run the air conditioner. Grew up in the high desert in California. Most of my, my, my upbringing was in Palmdale and Lancaster, California. And I just remember waking up to, like, sweat. And so when I'm hot, I'm like, I start getting flustered, start getting upset, uncomfortable, just kind of getting agitated. And so we're actually in my, my in-law's living room just recently. And uh, I have my five-year-old little girl, Chloe. Uh, she's like her mama. And uh, I don't know if you know this, but they say that creating a fan when you're hot and fanning yourself actually exerts more energy and causes you to perspire more than if you just bared it out. And so I, uh, I, I, I was in this living room sweating. I'm agitated. I'm uncomfortable. Someone say uncomfortable. I'm uncomfortable. And my, my five-year-old comes over. She grabs a piece of paper, and she says, Daddy, do you want some wind? And I just thought it was the cutest thing I've ever heard, that my, my little five-year-old was offering me some wind. She wasn't going to fan me. She was going to give me some wind. And I was, uh, I'm like, yeah, absolutely. So she started fanning me. And guess what? Her wind actually did relieve some of my discomfort. Her wind actually started to encourage me a little bit. And I was praying this week for you, and I had this idea and this thought that God spoke to me. And he said, Mark, remember what Chloe did for you? She saw you in an uncomfortable position. She, she saw you flustered and in distress. And her first initial response was, because I love you, hey, Daddy, can I send you, come on, some wind? <laughs> And I was thinking about wind and how God is described oftentimes the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, as wind, referred to as a, likened to wind. And uh, I don't know if you've ever been, you know, certain cities. I know where I lived in, in Boise, Idaho for many years, they would get inversions. Now, inversions were basically always in the wintertime, and it would be when, like, like this nasty cloud fog would just set, settle in the, in the bottom of the valley, uh, and it would just, it'd only be like a couple hundred feet beyond the, the, the ground. It wouldn't be super high in the sky, but you would, it would kind of capture all the freezing cold air. It'd be super low visibility, and I remember I would go snowboarding, and you would drive up the mountain, and as soon as you got a, just a little ways up the, up the road, you would get above the inversion. It would be blue skies. It would be warm, sometimes 15, 20 degrees warmer in the top of these mountaintops than it was in the valley because the inversion, it, it clouded visibility and it, it captured the cold. 
And the only thing that got rid of inversions is like fires when they create smoke. When smoke settles in a, in a valley in, in the summertime, we know this, that storms, smoke, uh, excuse me, that smoke, the only thing that gets rid of the smoke from a valley is a good windstorm. Wind has the power to blow the smoke out. It has the power to break up the inversion and push that out. And I just really felt, even as I was thinking and praying about oceans and about America right now, we are in a, in a divided time. We live in the United States, but we are living in a divided window of time. Countries are upset with other countries, and states are frustrated with other states, and people are upset at politicians and leaders, and I'm not here to do any type of political rant because, listen to me, politics divide, but God's kingdom unites. And I want you to know that the Holy Spirit, he wants to bring unity where there's discord. And I want you to know, we, we can agree to disagree on many things as men, but as believers, we have to have one central theme, that it is God's spirit that has the power to unify I'm of the persuasion that God's, cre- God's children, that his creation has more in common than it has out of common. And today, I was, again, I want you to just get this in your soul, in your spirit today, that there's something powerful about wind. It's amazing that the Bible would describe the Holy Spirit, who is, man, the most precious, the most amazing part that we have access to today on the earth, that the, the only part of God physically on the earth right now that you can actually physically be filled with is the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that Jesus died physically so that he could spiritually send the Holy Spirit. And I want you to know, uh, you're like, Mark, what is, what's, it just, I, I, thought, I was thinking through this, that the Holy Spirit is like liking the wind. And three, three powerful things about wind. Number one, wind is felt but it's not seen. It's felt, but it's not seen. And I was thinking about how the Holy Spirit, even if you can't see him right now, I believe that some of you this morning are going to start feeling the impact of his wind. I actually believe that people that follow Jesus, that prescribe to the teachings of Jesus, should be filled with the spirit of Jesus. And like, like wind, the world around us, maybe they don't see us physically, but they can feel the impact of what we're doing when we pray. They can, that's what prayer does. Prayer is something that the world doesn't see, but they do benefit from the impact of it. I actually believe if everyone stopped praying at the same time, the world would, would, would notably be, be, be realizing that something is missing in the world. There's something that prayer does that you don't see it, but like the Holy Spirit, like wind, you feel the power of it. Wind is also not only, it can be powerful, but it can also be gentle. Why is God referred to as like a wind, that the Holy Spirit is like wind? Because wind is, it can be both uh, amazing and it can be terrifying. Wind can be gentle, like a gentle breeze. They say when something's easy, they go, man, that was a breeze. Why is a breeze, why, why do we use the word breeze? Because breezes are effortless. They're enjoyable. They're refreshing, a refreshing breeze. And I believe that's what the Holy Spirit's like. He's like a breeze. But he's also powerful. They say that when wind gets violent, wind actually creates storms. And we read this passage, and I want to just focus here in just a moment. But wind creates, it has the ability to create storms. And I was, I was reading through this, and God just began to speak to me. And, and I really feel like someone watching right now, you feel like you're in the middle of a storm. Sometimes the only thing that's more powerful than wind is a stronger wind. 
Let me say it a different way that makes probably a little bit more sense. When a lion is roaring at you, the only thing that quiets a roaring lion is a louder roaring lion. And I want you to know that we're in a world right now that's roaring, that's, that's like, like yelling, and it's loud, and it's violent. And the only time sometimes, you know, the Bible says that the devil comes about like a roaring. He's not a lion. He's like a lion. And he's, he's seeking those whom he can devour, those he can discourage, those that he, those that he can get into depression and into anxiety and into fear and into faithlessness. And it says this, that he comes like a, like a roaring lion, but there's only one real lion. And I believe this, that there's a lot of winds right now blowing in the world, but there is a superior wind. There is a wind that actually has authority over secondary winds. And that's what I want to tell you about a little bit this morning, is we see here that wind, not only is it, is it felt but not seen, not only is it gentle and it's powerful, this is interesting, wind can be felt everywhere at once. How cool is God that he wants the world to know that the Holy Spirit is like wind, that all over the earth, simultaneously, everyone can feel the effects of his breath, of his wind. Holy, the Holy Spirit is amazing. And I love this passage because what we see here as we read is I, I wanted you to write this down as we talk about this this morning. Is These are like seven declarations that I, I, I really felt like God told me to declare with the wind in my lungs over our church, over not only our church, but the capital C church, that we are, as we read this passage, look, let's look at this, this storm, because likened to right now, many people are going through, they feel the effects, notice this, that the storm affected every boat in the water, I don't care if you're atheist, you're agnostic, or you are like spirit-filled, uh, like, like Pentecostal Christian, I want you to know that the storm affects everybody, the Bible says it rains on the just and on the unjust. It's, it, it doesn't matter if you're a good person or you're a bad person. When storms kick up, everybody on the water is moved. And I want you to know this, that, that there's these seven declarations I, I want you to write down, and we're going to declare, and we're going to pray, and we're going to stand in faith. Um, these are going to be so good. I want to encourage you even this week, if you go to Ocean's Church, maybe write them down, put them somewhere you can see them every day, and just declare these over your family. Declare these over your, over your week. But number one, what we find here in the story in Mark chapter 4 is that number one, I love this, is that we are of the persuasion that regardless of storms that we're facing, number one, is that we are, we are going to the other side. I want you to write that down, get this in your soul today, that every storm, every famine, every pestilence, every gnarly, negative, awful thing that's happened in history, there has always been another side. There's always another side. There was an other side to World War I. There was an other side to World War II. Are you following me? There was an other side to the atomic bombs. There was the other, there's always, I mean, I'm not trying to downplay that bad things, awful things, painful things, evil things, but I want to encourage you that we're not home yet and that our home is in heaven and that there's always going to be trials and opposition. Life without pain that's perpetually happy exists, but it's called heaven, not earth. And I want you to know that but while we are on earth, we have this hope inside of all of us. There is, friend, another side. And you mark my words, COVID-19 will be a story that we tell one day. And when we tell the story of COVID-19, we will tell about how we, we, we uh, not only um, uh, we, we tell the story, is we realize that every storm God allows in our life 
is so that we can actually know him in a way that we didn't know him before we entered into the storm. I actually believe this fundamentally, that we don't sign up for storms. We don't look for storms. They have a way of kind of finding us. We, I heard one scholar write it this way. We don't choose what we go through, but God gave us the gift to choose how we go through it. We're going to be the type of people that continue to declare that this storm is coming to an end. That we will see the other side. That we're not dying in the middle. Come on, we're going to get to the other side. I want you to get that in your soul this week, that regardless of what you're facing, what you're fighting, whatever winds are blowing on you, in Jesus' name, we declare, God, you're getting us to the other side. Amen? Number two, this is good preach. I know good preach when I hear it. Kidding. If you're watching this, I want you to write this down. Number two, what do we know about this is that the second declaration we find in Mark chapter 4 that we make this morning is not only do we believe and we know that we're going to the other side, is that we are going to, number two, we are going to stay full of the right things while we're going through it. We are going to stay full of the right things while we're going through this season. You know, it says in verse 37 that, that they actually begin to take on water. And when the boat took on water, it says that the waves were beating against the ship, that they were taking on water. And as the boat began to fill up, it began to sink. This is what I know, is boats can float really well, but not when they're full of the wrong things, i.e. water. I, I believe all of you watching today, you'd be shocked at what you can actually float through, what you can get through. You would be amazed how resilient the human mind, the human soul, and the human spirit is. You would be shocked at what immune systems can do, at what, you can, what God can do through your life if you would keep your soul and your spirit full of what God created you to be full of. Do you know that God did not create you to be full of fear? God did not create you to be full of conspiracy theories. God did not create you to be full of negativity. God did not create you to be full of complaining. In, in the ideal state in Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3, God's original design for humanity was that we'd be full of this awareness of God's presence and delight in it. And I think the reason why many people sink is they let water in that's not supposed to be on the inside of the boat. It's supposed to be on the outside of it. We are in this world, but we are not, come on, of this world. I'm telling you that there's so many negative things, discouraging things, and I'm not saying that we're oblivious and we ignore reality, but I am saying this, that we are intentional about what we put inside of us. We'd be shocked at, man, well, man, we, we have this really awesome exercise regimen, but we eat anything that we see. The truth is, you can exercise all you want. All the trainers know this. They say 75% of fitness isn't what you do working out. It's actually what you eat. That's my problem. I mean, I'm, 30, I'm 36. I look like I'm 35. I'm 36 years old. I'm at a point in my life that I'll do whatever it takes to have a perfect body except eat less and exercise more. But anything else, I'm in. Listen, I'm telling you, there's something about being intentional with what you're putting in. I think so many people are sinking right now in their emotions. They're sinking in fear. They're sinking in panic. They're sinking in despair. Man, why am I just so, like, downcast? Listen, it's because you're taking on things in your mind, in your ears, in your eyes, in your heart that God did not create you to carry. Boats don't carry water. They sink. But if you can actually create an environment that boats are full of what they were made to be full of, that thing will, listen, that thing will stay above all the waves. 
And I want you to know that we declare this this week. Not only are we going to the other side. In Jesus' name, we are going to be a people that stay full of the right things. I'm going to keep my mind full of God's word. I'm going to meditate on it day and night. You told Joshua that if I do this, I would have good success. Listen, if you're too busy to read the Bible, you're too busy. You're too busy to be successful. Success comes by meditating on this book. It says that meditation, it's not like Eastern religions that you empty your mind. Biblical meditation, Christianity is about meditating in a way, it says like a dog chewing on a bone. That's the idea of meditation. It's grabbing this Bible, grabbing this book, and and putting it into your mind and kind of just gnawing on it and chewing on it and going, God, my emotions feel this way, but your word says this. And you start feeling intentionally. We are going to fill in Jesus' name. We're going to fill it with God things. And it's amazing that when we're full of the right things, we continue to stay afloat. Number three, I believe this about this situation with the storm, is not only are we going to the other side of Jesus' name, not only are we staying afloat uh, by, by keeping our mind filled with the right things. How about number three, is we are staying awake. I, I remember reading this years ago in Bible college. One commentary, uh, one commentary author said that God only sleeps when he wants his people to wake up. And Jesus was asleep And actually, I don't think Jesus was asleep. Uh, I think, truth be told, Jesus was fully awake. I think the only reason he pretended or maybe he he looked to be asleep was two things. Is he wanted the, the disciples to know that when you have authority over something, you can sleep in it. And I believe that God wants to give you an authority over fear. He wants to give you an authority over uh, discouragement. And you know you have authority over something when God gives you the grace to actually be relaxed when you're confronted by it sleeping. But number two, I actually believe that he had foreknowledge and that he knew what he was going to do. But I thought that was interesting. Notice here that they come to him and they say, do you not care? We're perishing. This boat's sinking. And again, these guys are not being dramatic. They know this is a killer storm. And what they did in that moment was, is they, they, they went to him and they said, do you not care? We're sinking. And I love the fact that Jesus, this is kind of just interesting. They didn't go to him first. They went to him last. And I want you to write this down because this is the type of church we're going to be. This type of believers that I believe you and I are going to be is we're actually going to be people, number four, that we are going to be first option, not last resort people. These guys waited until the boat was almost fully underwater to have the bright idea, hey, maybe God can help. Maybe Jesus can fix this. I think if I'm being honest in my own life looking back, Many times in my life, God was my last resort, not my first response. And I want to challenge, if you're watching this today, that I believe that Jesus, listen, he has no problem being your very present help in time of trouble, in time of need. But I think he also likes to be our very present delight when things are going good. I think he also likes to be enjoyed on good days, not just bad days. You ever been there before? You're complaining to God, like, God, I need, I need this, or I, I need that, or I'm really struggling, and God does it. And many times we're quick to complain, but we're really slow to, like, give him a high five when he does it. I remember one day I got a, we were, we were kind of, uh, a couple years ago, we were going through this kind of challenging window of time, and it was really stressful. We had a bunch of bills kind of come in after our, our last child was born, and um, I remember, I'm like, God, you, you said that you're going to provide for me. We've been doing all the things you've asked us to do, and we're still falling short with some of this debt. And I remember complaining and going to the mailbox, and I'm like, God, I just thought you were going to take, I just, 
I thought this works. I thought if I honor you, you're going to take care of all of our needs. I'm not asking for anything crazy. I just need you to take care of my needs. And I remember complaining, and I went in the mailbox, pulled out, and there was a, a check in there that was literally, I did the math in my head. It was like the exact amount that I needed to get all the bills taken care of, to honor God, to tithe, whatever, and to actually have a little bit left over for what we were going to do. And I remember just walking back to the house, and this moment hit me that the Holy Spirit was like, do you not realize, Mark, that that check was written like three weeks ago? Do you not, re- do you not realize that I actually, I prepared all these things, like three weeks, and you were complaining about it today, but I was thinking about you weeks ago. And I just want to encourage you today that we serve a God, listen, that it's, he's there in your lowest moments, but I want to also encourage you that he's there in your greatest moments. And if you're going through an awesome season right now, listen, I think sometimes we only go to him in these low places and we don't enjoy his presence. Man, I'm telling you that delighting in God in many ways, I think in all ways, is even greater than asking for, for something, is requiring something, requesting something. God, I love your presence. We're going to be people that are, come on, uh, first option, God's my first option. He's not my last resort. How about the next thing we learn in the storm story is that, number five, we are peace and be still type of people. We are peace and be still type of people. I thought this was really interesting. Uh, and again, a couple of things I was thinking about with wind. It's ironic that one of the greatest enemies of COVID-19, this is where God began to speak, is it goes after your respiratory system. There's ventilators to keep people alive. Ventilators breathe for you. And the word pneuma is actually the word, it says that, that the Holy Spirit is the pneuma of God. Pneuma is a Greek word that means breath, and it means wind. And I was thinking about this as I was kind of reading through this this week, but it's wild that, that this, this virus, it doesn't just target, and you know, there's fevers and there's coughs and all these things, but the main thing it goes after is your respiratory, your ability to speak and your ability to breathe. And it's wild that when they're actually right now, with safety precautions, they actually put a mask on you. And it's like everything that this virus is trying to do is trying to steal your wind and it's trying to take your breath. And I, I think it's a demonic. I think, honestly, I'm not, I, I don't believe, listen, I don't believe that God's hand is behind it. But I do believe that God's heart is going to be redemptive through this. And we find here that, that Jesus gets up. He takes authority over this, this wind. There's wind that's blowing on the boat, beating on their lives, beating on their economy, blowing on their families, hurting their, you know, children, health, family, businesses, all of the above. And he gets up, and I thought it was really interesting. He says peace, which we know it's, pretty, it's a pretty uh, clean uh, word-for-word uh, translation from the original language. It's Greek. But it's interesting. The second word, peace and be still. The word still I won't pronounce it for you, but it's basically uh, pronounced F-E-E-M-O-O. And it literally means this, interesting, the Greek word, it means to close the mouth with a muzzle. It means to muzzle something, to stop the mouth, or to make something speechless. To reduce to silence. And I actually believe that's kind of the assault right now on believers, is this virus is physically... And I even believe the, the winds of the world right now are even like going after people with masks and all these other, and I'm not anti-mask, but I, I want to say this. I think that the assault with this virus and this season is on the breath and is on the wind of God's people. 
and I, I was reading this, is, is this Greek word. He says, peace and be still. The only thing that calms windy storms down is the wind of God. It says that God can send his word and he can heal us. God's breath, because man was a lifeless, formless uh, being until God breathed the breath of life into him. Acts chapter 2, what does it say? In a mighty, they were at one place, one accord, and suddenly there was a sound as of a mighty rushing wind. God's, listen, wind, when it comes into you, it has the ability to actually still the winds that are contrary to you. I was, I was praying, and I, I just felt like God wanted me to tell someone, even watching, that maybe the winds are blowing right now against your mind, your attitude, your emotions, your marriage, your family, maybe your business. I want to encourage you today that we have, we have the same wind that was in Jesus, the same spirit that was in Jesus we have access to today. Because if you believe in God, there's three things that are available to you. Number one, God, the Holy Spirit can be with you. If you invite him into your life, he is, number one, with you. Number two, the Holy Spirit wants to not only be with you, he wants to be in you. And when his wind comes into you, his wind begins to come out of you. His power, his presence, his authority comes out of you. And the third thing is, he doesn't just want to come into you and be around you. He actually wants to be upon you. It says in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, that when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you'll actually begin, begin to, to be bold and courageous and be witnesses. And you won't be scared of sinking because you'll declare what God declares. I was reading this this week in Mark chapter 4, and I read that verse that said, Peace and be still. And all of a sudden there was a calm. I, I want to just say to somebody today watching that it's the breath of the Holy Spirit. When you begin to pray what God puts on your heart, and this is just kind of a side uh, rant, but I'm going to go there anyways. I think that when you delight in God, he begins to give you desires. And when you take those desires into your heart, what happens is you actually start to visualize, you start praying the desires. I think desires actually turn into visions, and when you get a vision, Habakkuk says in chapter 1 that if you write the vision down, you tarry for it, you actually wait on it, it'll surely come to pass. I think that what God wants the church to do in this window of time is to delight in him, to fill up with the right things. And as you delight in him, you actually start taking on his appetite, his desires, his cravings. And as you pray those desires, you get these ideas for your business and your ideas for your marriage and your ideas for whatever you have, you have influence over. And as you start praying into that, God doesn't want us to pray empty-headed prayers. He wants us to pray prayers that have vision that are connected to his desires that we got by delighting in him. That's what we're going to do. And as we do this, we're going to let the, the wind of God come out of our mouths. And when God's wind comes out of your, out of your mouth, uh, number six, what it'll always do is it'll make you and I, we are, number six, we are faith-filled, courageous people. When the wind of heaven, when the wind of God comes into you, you could be facing really bad odds. You could be like literally, I mean, like, like Joshua, going after some of the most powerful, physically strong militaries in the world with untrained, untrained, never tested, battle tested, like farmers, servants, and have confidence knowing that God is going to be with us. The odds are in our favor. Because listen to me, God plus nobody is the majority power. 
God plus nothing else is the majority power. And what we're going to do is we're going to be people that actually are faith-filled. Jesus critiqued to them. He looks at guys, where, why, why are you so fearful? Where is your faith? I believe that storms always reveal what we trust in. Storms reveal what we're leaning on. Some people right now, I mean, it's amazing. All the liquor stores are still open. A lot of things are still open that we're like, why in the world are these still open? Because many people are relying on what they've always relied on. Storms show you where your foundation is. Jesus said that the wise man built his house on the rock. That the foolish man built his house on the sand. They look the same. The same house, same floor plan, same square footage. It all looked the same until the storm hit. And when the storm hit, what happened? That, that what it was built on, what it was leaning on, affected what happened to it. We are not those that are leaning on sand. We are leaning on solid rock. And I want to encourage you today that God's wind comes into us. Holy Spirit, fill me up. Holy Spirit, I know that you're powerful, but you're gentle. Holy Spirit, I know I can't see you, but God, my God, I can feel you. And Holy Spirit, I thank you that we all can feel you at the same moment, at the same time. Give me your wind. And give me the authority over the winds that are beating against my family, the winds that are blowing against my business. God, give me a grace. Give me a fortitude. Holy Spirit, give me a grace to stand up against the opposing winds. Let me bring unity and peace where there's discord and chaos. Let me be an instrument of peace and unity where division and clamoring and evil speaking and all these malicious things that are happening, God, use me. Blessed are the peacemakers. They'll be called children of God. And I'm telling you that not only am I declaring over oceans, over those that are watching, that we are going to be faith-filled and courageous in Jesus' name because we're full of his wind. But number seven, I want to remind everybody watching today that number seven is because there's wind that's rising. It's going it's to counteract all these other winds. Number seven is we are always and forever going to be about people, and cities. We're about them. I want to remind you that Jesus knew. Can I just, can I give you a little thought here? I don't know if you thought about this before, but do you think that Jesus knew what was going to happen when they crossed to the other side? I'm pretty sure that God is all-knowing. He's omnipotent. He's omniscient. He's all-knowing and he's all-powerful. He knew that there was going to be a storm that would risk the lives of dozens, dozens of people. Dozens of human beings were going to be terrified, think they were going to die, and God was willing to go through all of those things and actually allow these people to experience these, this awful, traumatic moment. And it's wild. He went over to the other side for one person. If you read the story, it says that Jesus crosses over to the other side. They, they almost die in the storm, and they get there. His disciples never leave the boat. There's nothing said about his disciples because they're little Jewish boys that were just not told to be around unclean places, around unclean people. And all of a sudden, the moment they get there, they're in a cemetery, a dead place, around a demon-possessed guy, a no-no. He wasn't clothed. He wasn't in his right mind. He had chains. This guy's out of his mind. And Jesus takes authority over the darkness that was in the man. The disciples are sucking their thumbs. And as soon as this guy gets free of thousands of evil spirits in his mind... He's sitting there. He puts his clothes back on. Everyone in that village goes, that's the guy that's been crazy forever. They were fearful. Watch what happens. The, 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 the formerly demon-possessed man goes, can I get in your boat and go with you? 
It's very interesting because usually Jesus is like, yeah, follow me. In this scenario, watch what he says. No. I want you to go to Decapolis, and I want you to tell everybody there the great things that God has done for you. God was willing to risk a storm because at the end of the day, storms are always to be leveraged by God to impact people. Not only was there one man that had thousands of evil spirits living in him that got liberated. Check this out. Decapolis means 10 cities. There was 10 cities that heard a miracle story. Because here's what I know. When you're going through temporary crazy, you always hold on to eternal values. We are facing a temporary storm, ladies and gentlemen. But do not ever let the temporary storm affect what you, what you declare, what you, what you say, what you bless, and what you curse. I will not let temporary things shape my eternal values. This storm is going to pass. But listen to me. Don't waste this moment by cursing things that when the storm is gone, you lose the authority to bless. You'll never have authority over people you don't love first. You'll never have authority over areas you don't love first. And I know there's a lot of hostility in America. I know there's a lot of hostility in the world. and Everyone's going on rants and everyone's posting things. Listen, I'm not saying anything politically, but I am saying this. Don't lose your eternal ability to witness to somebody because of some sort of temporary storm that's going to be here today and gone tomorrow. The story of Ichabod is about a woman who was pregnant with a baby that found out that her dad died, her husband died, and all of her family died in the same day. You know what she did? She was giving birth, and she knew that she was going to die. And what she did was, was, was one of the greatest mistakes in the Old Testament, is she names the only life for the future by the bad day and the bad circumstances that she was currently under. She names her future Ichabod. The glory has departed. Why do you curse the future when your temporary circumstances are under stress. The greatest thing, listen, I feel the Spirit of God. The greatest thing you do when you're under temporary stress is you declare the eternal promises of God. This will pass. We are going to the other side. We are staying full of the right things. We are first option, not last resort people. We are those of people of peace and be still. We are faith-filled and courageous, and we are about people and cities. So we're going to guard our mouths. We're going to be full of the right things. And when everybody else is cursing, the words of God's blessing are going to be on our lips. And that's when we're going to be a city on a hill that can't be hidden. I pray right now, Holy Spirit, for everyone that's watching today. If you, just think, if you lost hope that you're ever going to make it out of this or through this, I want to pray for you right now. If that's you, you say, Mark, I just, I'm a little bit empty on hope. I've been, I've been thinking more about losing everything than gaining everything. I've been thinking more about how hard life is going to be after this. And if you're being honest today, you just say, Mark, I need some hope. I need some encouragement. Would you do me a favor right now? If that's you watching this, whether you're on Facebook or YouTube or, or on our website, just write this down. Just say, that's me. I need hope. Or you can write this down, hope, H-O-P-E. I need some hope. I want to declare in Jesus' name, this is going to pass. The Holocaust had an end. Come on. World War I had an end. All these wars, the Korean War had an end. 
the greatest moments in history, come on, during the, the children of Israel's uh, starting and ending point, there was an end. There was, a, there was a beginning and there was an end. And there was an end to this season. And I want to tell you, there's life for you on the other side. Put hope. I pray for everyone that needs hope today. Fill them up full of faith. Fill them up full of courage. Secondly, if you're watching, you say, Mark, I want to stay full of the right things. I've watched the news for five hours a day. I've been on social media three hours a day. And I read the Bible maybe one, one minute of the day. I read one verse. I want to encourage you to flip that upside down. Start spending more time with God, more time in prayer and reading your Bible than you are by filling up with these things that you were never created to carry. We are not bad news carriers. We were designed to carry good news. So I pray in Jesus' name, if you want to start carrying some good news, write it down. Say good news. Come on, good news. Say it, good news. We are not bad news people. We are good news people. God is for me, not against me. God, open up their eyes and show them that there is more with them today than against them. I pray right now, some right now, just the power to get full of the right things, starting today. You feel like you've been sleeping spiritually. Say, Mark, I want to wake up. I'm not living for Jesus, but I want to live for Jesus. I don't want to wait until I have no other options to turn to God. I want to turn to God today. Don't wait another day, another week, another year, another decade. Come on. I don't care if you're 65 or if you're 16. Today's the day to get right with God. You'll have a lot of regrets in life, but you will never regret living for Jesus. If that's you, you say, Mark, today I want to wake up spiritually. I don't want to live without God. I want to live with God. And if I can know God at a 10, I don't want to live my whole life at a 2. I want to know his spirit. I want to know his power. I want to know his majesty. I want to know the word. God, would you pray? Come on, right now. I want to pray for you that God would come and that he would wake you up spiritually. Say, Mark, I want to live awake. Would you pray for me that I would give my life back to God if you got off track? Or for the first time you've never had faith in Jesus, say, today's the day that I'm going to put my faith, not in me, but in God. If you're a first-time decision, I want you to write this down. I've never given my life to, to Jesus, but today I'm, I'm, I'm ready to. You don't clean up and come to God. You come to God. He cleans you up. That's you. I want you to write this down. One, the number one. If you want to give your life to God for the very first time, just write one. I'm not going to embarrass you, but I want you to know that whatever you do to God, God will do to you. And if you want God to validate you in front of the world, you validate God. You validate, validate your faith in God to the world. Whatever, this one, one of my professors in college said this, whatever you do for God, God will do for you. If you honor him, he'll honor you. If you actually show mercy to him, God will show mercy to you. If you, whatever you sow, you reap. If you're watching this and you say, Mark, I've never believed in God, just put one. And if you want to rededicate your life today, you can use the heart emoji or put heart. And I'm going to pray right now that his wind would begin to fill you up. His forgiveness would begin to fill you up. Right now, can I just pray this prayer for everyone that's, that just responded? I ask in Jesus' name that as they repeat this prayer with me, God, everyone that needs to respond, let them respond right now. Right first, put heart, and I want you to pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, I don't want to sleep anymore. Wake me up to the reality of your love, your kindness. Fill me with your wind and your Holy Spirit. Lead me from this day forward. In Jesus' name I ask. My life is yours. I pray now in your name. Amen. As we're about finished, I want to just pray a last couple things here. Someone, someone's sick right now. You've got like a, 
there's someone that's a really like a severe thyroid issue. And I believe in Jesus' name that God's healing someone's thyroid right now. I see someone that has like a, almost like a, I, I, just, I see this picture, it's like organs, and there's all these tumors and masses around all of your vital organs. I think it's cancer. And I pray right now in Jesus' name, the same God that can heal a headache is the same God that can evict cancer from the human body. I pray that you would take away pain in someone's tooth. Someone has like severe tooth pains right now. You were trying to get into the dentist. They weren't even open. I pray right now that you heal someone's mouth. And I ask Holy Spirit, yeah, I feel like there's several people watching right now. You've even been losing your voice lately. I pray in Jesus' name, God's going to restore your voice, and you're going to use that thing for him. I pray right now you touch, you heal. If you need need healing in your body, would you just write this down, healing? Write it down. Wherever you're watching, just write healing. I ask you, Holy Spirit, it says that before we ask you, you know what we need. So I pray you heal everyone that needs it today. I pray whether it's cancer. I pray whether it's an ulcer. I pray if it's some sort of rash. I pray for someone that has like even like some sort of like bumps on their neck. I ask in Jesus' name that you would do the impossible. We thank you that the blood of Jesus that was shed 2,000 years ago is still good enough, is still powerful enough to cleanse us, heal us today. In Jesus' name I ask. In Jesus' name I pray. I believe there's someone that's been married but separated, that God is going to restore your marriage in, the, in like the, the coming months. Like the next two months, God is going to do a miracle in someone's marriage that you're not, a, you're not divorced, you're separated. And God, you, you thought it, you, you might have been separated for like a year or two, and, or maybe three years. I believe that God is going to actually restore your marriage, and it's going to be a sign and a wonder to your husband, and it's going to be a sign and a wonder to you. And I pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you would restore marriages, even now. You want to become on a peace and be still. I want to be courageous and brave, faith-filled. Just put your hand on your heart. Write faith for me right now, faith. I pray that those that watch that are watching today, we invite your wind. We invite your wind. Come on, you write wind, and I want you to write faith. Holy Spirit, fill us up in this hour. When everybody else is sinking, I thank you that we'd be full of your wind. We'd be full of your breath. And I ask you that life, the life of Jesus, would cause us to rise and to continue to stay up above. Lord, help us to rise above our friends, to rise against, Lord, opposition, to rise against uncertainties. Lord, cause your people to rise in this hour. God, we just thank you for your sweet wind. Fill us up, Holy Spirit. Encourage your people today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to thank you for tuning in this morning. I believe your best days are still ahead of you. If you gave your life to God for the first time or you rededicated your life, I would invite you today. Believers love their Bible like skiers and snowboarders love the snow. If you don't have a Bible, I would encourage you to go on your phone or computer. You can go to BibleApp.com. It's a free Bible. You can download it for free. It's an app. It's awesome. It'll read to you. If you don't like to read, it'll read to you. There's audio options. And secondly, if you don't have a church, This is a great church to be a part of. You can actually right now, click right after this message, join our growth tracks. We have our one-on-one growth tracks. That's our front door to our community getting involved. I believe that Christians don't only just love the Bible. They love community. Get involved in a local church. And number three, uh, if you don't have any, any community right now, we have small groups that are going right now. They're all Zoom right now online. 
But if you're not in a, in a community group, I highly recommend you to jump on there. I don't even care if you don't live in California. You want to be a part of a community group. It's all online right now. Jump into a Zoom, Zoom group. The link will be right there in the bio as well for our small groups. I love you. Rashawn, I are praying for you this week. Oceans, we're, we're almost on the other side. We're going to get there. We're going to celebrate. And we are going to severely cry when we all see each other in person. I love you so much, Oceans. It's going to be an awesome week. We'll see you soon. God bless you guys. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.